Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Andrew Mushbaugh. Andrew, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Let's do this. Andrew is a CFP. He's the co-founder of MD Wealth Management. I'm excited to have you on. Andrew, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So on the personal side, I met my wife freshman year of college at Miami of Ohio. And although we don't have any kids yet, we have four nephews and one niece. So I'm a self-proclaimed uncle fun to all of them right now. Nice. Briefly moved back from, from Chicago to Michigan and live about 15 minutes from Ann Arbor. So it's definitely a change of pace from Chicago, but I'm originally from the area. So it's really nice just to be back home again. And then last year, my business partner, um, and actually my brother-in-law as well, started MD Wealth Management which is a fee-only financial planning and wealth management firm that specializes in working with physicians and dentists. And so our goal is really to help our clients have peace of mind around their finances. And then, you know, I really love what I do because for so many people, money is just such a big stressor in their life. And then whether they you know, like to admit it or not, it has a huge impact on how a lot of people live their lives and decisions that they make. And so what I get to do is help our clients make intentional financial choices, you know, as opposed to being reactive and letting money dictate you know, how they make some of their decisions in, in their life. And so ultimately my you know, favorite part and why I love what I actually do is because I get to get actually see clients, you know, have that peace of mind once they have a plan in place and they can actually spend time and energy elsewhere actually doing things they enjoy as opposed to you know, feeling like they have to worry about money all the time with their decisions. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that the more you can help people free up a problem area so they can focus what's on what's most important. And if that's, you know, if you have a health issue or if it's a money problem, the quicker you can get that alleviated, the better. So I very much appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely. Why did you make the decision to focus on, uh, on, on doctors and dentists? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons uh, why we decided to focus on the group. But you know, as a whole, they just don't have much time to deal with many things in general outside of work. So finances for a lot of people being a stress is one area that they could outsource. So they don't have the time to really deal with a lot of this. And then for many physicians and dentists, they don't have much of an interest in dealing with finances and add that to the fact that there's you know not much training that they've gotten formally. And then there's a lot of complexities that physicians have around you know, student loan planning, disability insurance, know, balancing a big jump in cash flow once they become an attending after training. And so there's a lot of moving parts. And so when you add all those different pieces together, you know, we felt it was a great group that, you know, really could benefit from having an advisor that has their best interests at heart. And we wanted to be able to work with, you know, not only people that have accumulated a substantial amount of wealth and are getting close to retirement, um, but also be able to work with younger physicians that needed help piecing all this together and, and getting a plan in place. Uh, as opposed to learning from mistakes that they make over time. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And 
I think people who are listening, and my, certainly myself included, I'm sure you and everybody, like, well, you know, that kind of sounds like me, even though I'm not a physician. I, I feel like I have a limited <laughs> amount of time. I feel like I have a lot of complexity. And certainly student loans are in the news. So I think that's something that we can all empathize with. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I remember um, early on in my career, I was taught that there's certain things that somebody has to have to become a, a good client. And one of those was you need to have economic potential. So you didn't need to be an affluent person. You just need to be on the right track from, you know, potentially earning more money in the future. And certainly physicians probably check that box. Another one was the idea of intelligence. And that's not, you don't need to be a rocket scientist or a genius, but you need to be somebody who, who can accept advice. And so you need to be intelligent enough to be able to, to, to listen to somebody else and then implement their suggestions. And that doesn't mean that a physician is that way, right? Because I'm sure that there's a ton, just like everybody else, who aren't. And so they probably are not great prospects. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we hear a lot of times, you know, physicians have the intelligence to be able to learn this if they had the time or interest to do it. But a lot of people that come to us, it's, you know, I'm a doctor and I just want to remain being a doctor and I don't want to worry about all these other areas of my life. And so they just want to outsource you know, as much as they can. And one of those big areas is, is finances. And that's where we, we come in to get to work with them. Yeah, I appreciate that. Why do you think that, that money is such a huge stressor on, 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 on so many people? Yeah, I think that biggest reason for that is that everyone has a different money script and the way they think about money. And so, you know, from early on in childhood, the, the way that we grew up with money has a big impact on, on how we make decisions later in life. And so, you know, I think if people grew up where money was tight or they were stressed about it, then that often leads people to you know want to be really good savers or, you know, end up being way more conservative than they necessarily have to with their money decisions because they grew up with stress of not knowing if they had enough. And the flip side, if someone grew up with, you know, plenty of money and they never really had to think about it, they may want to remain in that same lifestyle. And so in order to do that, you, know, you have to make a lot of money to keep up with that. And they may not have had to think about it much growing up. So it's once they're actually starting to make some of those decisions themselves, you know, it's a real big challenge for them of figuring out all these different pieces and, and how to make sure they're making good decisions. Um, but in terms of you know, how, how money impacts people is that it, whether it's your career or retirement, a lot of different things that you need to do in life is based on you know, having the resources to be able to do it. And so for people that you know, don't necessarily love their career or if it's potential for burnout, um, it's really important that you have enough money so you can be able to retire one day. And for a lot of people that are going through this, you know, not knowing that, knowing if they're making right decisions and not knowing what they don't know in general, you know, just leads people to feel stressed because there's that unknown factor of if they're making smart decisions um, with their money. And because everyone has a different background of the way they grew up with it and how they think about it, you know, there's just a lot of complexities that people don't really understand when they're making some of these decisions. And so when you're talking about that, I a hundred percent agree. Um, is it just a matter of, of asking questions and having a conversation about, was money present? Was was it talked about? Was it a source of power? Was it a source of pain in your house when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the questions in you know, the first meetings we always talk to people is we try to get as much information about them as we can. And the best question we always like to ask is, you know, what was your earliest experience with money? And a lot of people don't think about that. And especially if it's 
you know, a couple, it's not like a normal Friday night date topic that you're going to go through that. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of people don't necessarily think about these decisions and a lot of it's subconscious of, you know, the way that they're approaching money is based on you know, past experiences. And so it is really important just to bring to light, you know, some of these biases of, you know, yeah, I am saving a lot more than I may need to, but that's because I grew up and, you know, we were stressed on when we we're going to you know get the next you know, food on the table or if we we're going to be able to pay bills. And so I just want to make sure I never had to worry about that. And so that's where just making sure you ask the questions and, and bring to light some of your experiences around money that can help you know, you know, where you stand today so you can bridge the gap of, you know, what your relationship is with money. Yeah, got it. And you also mentioned burnout, and that's something that I, I have to imagine, particularly if you are a, an emergency room physician, probably any kind of doctor, that if you're not careful, or maybe even if you are careful, you're probably going to suffer from that. How do you, is, is, is there a smart way to manage that? Yeah, I mean, a, a big thing that is because, you know, burnout's a very real thing, and especially like you mentioned within emergency medicine, just based on what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis and so that's where getting a handle on your finances can make a huge impact there because, you know, we really like to tell clients the goal isn't necessarily to retire, but it's to be financially independent where work's optional and you don't have to go to work if you don't want to, as opposed to being forced to go to work because you need to make money so that you can one day stop working. And so, you know, a big way to help out with burnout is getting in front of your finances and, and building up a net enough of a you know, net worth where, you know, work is optional and, and you're choosing to go to work and you're not feeling the stress of, of money with those decisions too. And so that's just one aspect of it. But, you know, the burnout decision and, you know, or factor in general, there's a lot of other facets that you can do to minimize stress. Um, but it, taking care of your finances will go a huge way in, in helping to lower that burden as much as possible. Yeah. So managing cash flow is... I think such a foundational thing that really we all need to be cognizant of. And I don't think enough of us are myself certainly included throughout the course of my life. I've been crappy with budgeting. I probably overspent. Um, and certainly if you're a young person who probably hasn't made a ton of money and then all of a sudden you have a big income, how do you, how do you coach people through that? Yeah. And that's definitely the biggest decision that especially new attendings are coming out and that's, they have to go through is you go from making $70,000 a year to potentially three or four times jumping in your income. And so when you're thinking about the trade-offs of what to do with that cash flow, it really does start with the beginning of what's your overall plan. And so that's looking at, you know, when you want to retire, you know, if you want to pay for college for your kids, if you want to buy, you know, a house down the road or whatever all these goals are, you want to get them all out on, on paper so you can see, you know, what you're trying to save for. And then once you've got that game plan in place of those goals, it's figuring out and prioritizing what's most important to you. And so for physicians, we always want them, well, in anyone in general, we want them to make sure that they're saving enough for retirement first before they start working on some of those other goals. And the reason for that is it's, you know, the furthest goal away in terms of time horizon, it's easiest to push off, but it's also, you know, one of the most important areas you have to make sure you're addressing. And then once you know that you're saving enough for retirement, you know, whenever that is for you or becoming financially independent, then you can start working on some of those other goals. And the way we like to think about you know, managing your cash flow is cash flow is like a pitcher of water. And then each of your different goals, you know, college, down payment for a house, um, you know, 
a vacation, any of these different areas, your student loans, they're, they're different cups. And so you can only pour as much water or the cash that you have into the cups that you actually have in the, the water pitcher. And so you want to make sure that if you don't have enough water in your pitcher, that you're saving and prioritizing into each of the different cups in the way that's most important to you. And so if you can't save enough for all your different goals, then you need to decide which ones are most important to you. And so for some people that could be college and you want to make sure that you're you know, fully paying for school for your kids. And so that would be the first area that you want to start saving for. Or if you know you really wanted to buy a new home and that was the top priority, then you'd want to start with that and then work your way down. And so it's important to get those goals in place. So you can see what you're saving for. And then if you can save for all those goals because you're making enough income, then that's great. But for most people, there's that exercise you have to go through of prioritizing which are most important and then deciding how much you need to save to those. And so it's really a personal decision, you know, once you have a conversation and, and go through that with people. Yeah, got it. I think that, that makes sense. So one of the stereotypes about doctors is that they are are sometimes victims of, of making bad investment decisions. I'm just going to maybe refer to it as a lack of diversity, maybe for the reasons that you're talking about, they have a limited amount of time. And so if they get pitched something, they'll, they'll put a ton of money into a bad decision. And then, and, 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 and who knows the reasons behind that, but I think that we all suffer from, from behavioral biases and blind spots and thinking that because we are smart in certain areas of our life, that we're going to be able to make good investment decisions in others. Um, your thoughts on, on helping people diversify. Yeah, I think that's you know, a great point you brought up is there's often this feeling that they're missing out on something or they need to be making these investments because they have a high income. There's something different or better that's out there. And what we like to do is, again, going back to the planning process is you know, because you have a high income as a physician, you don't need to take on a lot of risk with your investments to be able to meet your goals. And so if you start with that first is saying, you know, if you're saving X amount of your income, and you're putting it into a broadly diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, that's going to be fine for you to meet your goals of retirement at you know, 55 or 60 or whatever that age is, is for you. And so that's the first part of the conversation is just explain to them that they're in great shape and they don't need to take on that risk. And then once you, you know, start to look at some of those investments, it's really understanding you know, why you're getting into it. And if there's no particular reason other than, you know, I think it might have a high return, well, then it's just having a conversation again, going back to you know, the plan and saying you don't need to take on this risk. And you know, you, you have to understand that with some of these investments there's also the big downside that you could lose all of your money in it. And so for a lot of people, just hitting singles and doubles as opposed to going for home runs um, is the best strategy. And explaining that to physicians and dentists and people in general, you know, helps them to realize that they don't have to take on you know, some of these different investments just because they're offered them. And uh, okay, I, I appreciate that very much, and I think that that's I think that that's a great way to look at it. Just bring people back to here. Here's here's the plan we put together because these are the goals that that you said were most important to you from being able to to potentially stop working at this age, and we're on track for all of that. Um, you know, we I have a lot of conversations about things like cryptocurrency and investing in real estate and buying individual stocks. Do you? Do you think that it's okay once people have that foundation set up to to have, for lack of a better term, play money to be able to to invest in a, a very, um, for lack of a better term, uh, speculative investment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if 
there is enough in, you know, a bucket of money and you have enough saved for retirement, meeting all your goals. You know, some people are certainly interested in that. And, you know, if it's 5% or, or 10% of your net worth and you want to have a play account with, you know, cryptocurrency or picking some stocks, as long as you're okay with that going to zero, then, and it not impacting your plan, then we're fine with people, you know, having that account because some people to your point might just enjoy doing that and, you know, want to have some of these speculative investments. Um, the important thing is just for people to understand and realize that it is a speculative investment and it's not like you're using that or relying on it uh, for your serious money that's actually going to fund retirement. Got it. I like it. Well, Andrew, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing that we always like to talk through with clients is this idea of you know, having balance with your money decision and understanding trade-offs. So if, you know, if you're going to save more today, that gives you more flexibility or cushion in the future, but that could be at the expense of you know, not taking a family trip this year or not buying a house earlier than you may want to. But on the flip side, if you're overspending today, then you may need to realize that in the future, you're going to have less flexibility or you may need to work longer. And so there's always going to be trade-offs with money and decisions that you make around that. But it's important that you know everyone understands what those trade-offs are so that you can be intentional with your decision based on what's most important to you. And so there's no, no right answer for this, uh, but it is important that on the front end, you know, you're looking out and kind of beginning with the end in mind so you can see big picture what you want your life to look like and then understand that as you're making these decisions along the way that there's going to be trade-offs regardless of what decision you make. And so the best way to go for this is usually some type of balance of you know, enjoying today and spending for that, but also making sure that you're saving enough for the future. But over time, it likely will change. And the important thing is that each year when you're looking at this or as you're making these decisions that you're being intentional um, and balancing, again, saving enough for tomorrow, but enjoying today and not sacrificing your lifestyle because you, know, you only get get one life. And so not everyone wants to end up with a $3 million portfolio at their end of their life. And so it's really important to just get the balance that's right for you and your spouse potentially. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. <laughs> life is a series of trade-offs. There's no two ways about that. So, well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Absolutely. Yeah, they can go to our website. It's www.mdwmllc.com. And there's information on there for physicians and dentists on our blog, or they can feel free to contact us and reach out to talk whenever they want. Excellent. Give me the website again. It's www.mdwmllc.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Andrew your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to mdwmllc.com. Check out all the great stuff they've got on there. Thanks again, Andrew. Perfect. Thanks for your time, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there you can just go to the website i'll also list that in the notes of the show what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review 
and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.